A 32-year-old woman with chronic pain has been prescribed medical marijuana, but she hasn't started the medication yet. She's worried. Is medical marijuana going to help her? Is she going to become dependent? Is she going to feel out of it all the time? Will her performance at work be affected because of side effects? She also has to have surgery every once in a while due to her condition. Is the medical marijuana going to be a problem with having surgery under anesthesia? Will her surgery get canceled because of her being on medication? Or will she somehow have a poor outcome? She needs answers to be able to make an informed decision. Welcome to The Hurt by Dr. Mira Kirpaker and Dr. Alobi Patel. We are the female pain docs. This is a platform to contribute to the public discourse on women's pain and general health. We are here to empower women and men to engage in the advancement of their health with discussions of evidence-based medicine, unconventional topics, lifestyle modifications, and more. The views contained in this podcast are our personal views and do not represent the views of our institutions. This does not substitute medical advice. Please be evaluated by a physician if necessary. Welcome back to another episode of The Hurt Podcast, Season 3. In this episode, we are going to talk about a hot topic. No pun intended. The topic is marijuana. Now, marijuana has been in the news for several years and for many different reasons, from the increasing use of marijuana for medicinal purposes and the decriminalization of recreational marijuana, as well as the expanding use of marijuana for other sort of diagnoses. So let's really get into it. We're first going to start with the episode by first defining some of the terminology since it can be confusing. The words cannabis, marijuana, THC have all been used to describe essentially the same thing. And then we will get into a brief history before diving into the medical aspects of it. So let's start with the various medical terms associated with marijuana. Marijuana is basically another name for cannabis, which is a type of plant. The cannabis plant was originally native to Central and South Asia, where it was used for both recreational and medicinal purposes for centuries. Tetrahydrocannabinol is otherwise known as THC, which is the main psychoactive component in the cannabis plant, which, by the way, there are over 400 compounds in the plant, of which at least 65 are cannabinoids. Cannabinoids is just a fancy term for compounds found in the cannabis plant that interact with the endocannabinoid system of the body, which is a part of our biological system. Cannabidiol, or CBD, is a type of cannabinoid, so basically a compound of the cannabis plant that interacts with a biological system in our body called the endocannabinoid system. Confusing, right? Now let's do a quick review. Marijuana is cannabis. Cannabinoids are compounds from the cannabis plant. There are two major cannabinoids, THC and CBD, which both interact with our body to produce different effects. The reason we want to break this down is because it will be important to understand the difference between THC and CBD in terms of pain. Okay, and one last thing. Since many patients associate marijuana with hemp, hemp is a little bit different. Hemp plants are also cannabis plants technically, but have way less THC and so are not the typical quote-unquote high-producing marijuana plants. Okay, so hopefully that cleared up some of the terminology. Let's move on to a brief history. That was perfect. That was a great breakdown because it does get really confusing. 
Okay, so the history of marijuana goes back to ancient China, ancient Greece, India, and Egypt many thousands of years ago. But we're going to focus on the modern evolution of marijuana so you can get a context of how the legality has changed and honestly is continuing to change all across the world and particularly in the United States. The use of marijuana in Western medicine was first credited to an Irish physician, William Brooke O'Shaughnessy, who conducted several experiments while living abroad in India and noted the pain-relieving effects in the 1840s. So he brought cannabis back with him to England, after which it spread throughout Europe and the U.S. So the medical use of cannabis declined after the passage of the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937, which basically imposed regulations and fees on physicians who prescribed medical cannabis. And then it was officially banned with the passage of the Controlled Substances Act of 1970. But then shortly after, in the 1980s, it began to have a renewed interest due to the report of pain relief in AIDS and cancer patients. So in 1996, California became the first state to legalize medical cannabis, despite the fact that the federal law still prohibited it. And then many states have followed suit in recent years, legalizing medical marijuana. But, but you know, it's important to note that it's still considered federally illegal. So currently, 37 states have approved the medical use of marijuana, and many states have decriminalized the recreational use as well. And we both practice in the state of New York, in which medical marijuana is legal. Now let's move on to a bit more about the physiological effects of marijuana on the body in terms of pain. So as we mentioned earlier, cannabinoids are basically compounds of the cannabis plant that interact with the endocannabinoid system. The endocannabinoid system exists throughout the body, including the brain and peripheral nerves. It is involved in regulating physiological and cognitive processes, including fertility, immune system, appetite, pain sensation, mood, and memory. And like we said, the two main compounds that bind to the receptors in the endocannabinoid system and interact with them to produce these different effects are THC and CBD. Now, you may have seen or heard numerous CBD products, anywhere from creams to coffees to candies, but CBD has a very different effect on the body compared to THC. CBD can bind to the different receptors, but not produce the quote-unquote high that THC does. It does, however, still play an important role in chronic pain by reducing inflammation and decreasing overall nerve pain. It has also received significant publicity for the treatment of epilepsy, because it is a very potent anti-seizure medication. It also has been used for anti-anxiety and insomnia. Overall, CBD is a very safe medication, but can still have some side effects, including nausea, fatigue, and irritability. Right. And, you know, there are many ways that THC and CBD can be taken. So, you know, traditionally, marijuana was inhaled, but now we know that there are many different ways to take marijuana. So there can be products with both or only CBD, and they can come in cream formulations, edible forms, vaping, and all sorts of other formulations. So you can see that this brings a varying amount of absorption depending on how it's taken. And now we're not going to get into all of the nuances of that, but we want you to understand that, you know, with the advent of all these different formulations, people were really able to experiment and try different variations to help different types of conditions, including pain. 
and especially as the opioid epidemic has been turning more towards a restrictive approach of prescribing opioids, and you know, as we discussed in our earlier episodes. So with the legalization of marijuana came the cultural acceptance of using it not just recreationally, but also for medical purposes, including chronic pain. And a decent amount of research has actually been done on THC, which, as we said, is the psychoactive component, but can also help with pain perception. Now, there have been fewer studies that have been done on CBD, which is the non-psychoactive component, but you know, that has been changing. There has been more emerging literature regarding the role of both THC and CBD and how they interplay in terms of pain management. And before we really get into it, we want to clarify, like we said earlier, that it is still federally illegal, which makes it pretty controversial to begin with, but also a bit harder to do research studies. And therefore, medical marijuana is not yet FDA approved. And let me also clarify that medical marijuana from the cannabis plant is not approved. However, the FDA has approved certain synthetic cannabis products such as dronabinol and nabilone. But there are very specific conditions that these synthetic can- cannabis products can be used for, and chronic pain is not one of them. The FDA acknowledges that there is increasing interest in the potential utility of cannabis for chronic pain, but it is awaiting further research to be completed before approving it. And as you can see, with marijuana being federally illegal and not FDA approved, it's quite difficult to actually do research on it. The actual prescribing of medical marijuana can be challenging as there isn't really a set dosage or guidelines to go about it. So we will go over some of the basic principles of how medical marijuana is prescribed, including some of the data that exists for chronic pain. So chronic pain conditions can range, you know, anywhere from headaches to nerve pain to muscle pain. And so you can imagine, you know, the type of pain and mechanism of the pain pathways are going to differ in each of these conditions. So the efficacy of the medical marijuana will also vary. Now, a decent amount of research has been done on nerve-related pain and the use of synthetic cannabis, which is the uh, nabilone and dronabinol we spoke of earlier. So this meta-analysis of 11 randomized controlled trials found a significant reduction in patients with nerve pain, or, you know, we call it neuropathic pain. And nabilone was found to be the most effective. And dronabinol, basically the synthetic version of THC, was found to be the least effective. Now, another study found that inhaled cannabis, or, you know, smoked cannabis, provides significant analgesia relative to a placebo in HIV-induced nerve pain. So again, showing potential for natural cannabis to help in pain conditions. And overall, all this evidence is not considered high-grade evidence. It's basically low to moderate strength evidence, which suggests that small to moderate improvements in pain with a moderate degree of adverse effects, including dizziness, sedation, and nausea. And each patient may be different. So especially if they've used marijuana recreationally, they may have a different tolerance. And also, it's important to note that it's harder to compare apples to apples here. To really understand what is helping in chronic pain conditions, we have to know what the THC to CBD ratio of the various cannabis products are. And that's hard to completely analyze in naturally derived cannabis versus synthetic cannabis. And again, because of the difficulty in actually legally and appropriately doing the research on whole plant cannabis, it is almost impossible to compare outcomes and draw the conclusions needed for treatment protocols. So overall, more research is needed, but I will say from anecdotal feedback, 
Many patients feel a difference with THC and some don't. I think to see it realistically, you have to also have realistic expectations. Pain is complex and the treatment can be just as complex. Medical marijuana can often help reduce the pain, but it won't necessarily 100% resolve the pain. And it's pain reduction rather than pain resolution. And for many patients, that is already an improvement in quality in life compared to their baseline. So each patient may be different and some will feel a difference and will benefit from it, while others may not. You know, I think that's a great point because when we think back on sort of all of our episodes and sort of what we talk about in almost every episode, you know, we talk about a multimodal approach. We talk about having not just any one treatment, but having lots of collaboration with different providers as well as having different forms of treatment. And this is one of them, but it's not one that's necessarily going to be 100%. There's really, it's very hard to find any one thing that's going to be 100%, but it is one that does help. And anecdotally, I agree with you, I've seen sort of the same, where it has been very helpful for a lot of patients, but you really don't know until you try it. So now we've talked a lot about medical marijuana and the setting of chronic pain. But let's break it down some more. So we broke down the different types of cannabis, but let's shift gears and talk about marijuana in the field of anesthesiology. So as our listeners know, we're both board certified in anesthesiology and pain medicine. So we treat medical marijuana very differently as anesthesiologists compared to as pain physician. And there's a lot of reasons for this. So a patient consuming marijuana chronically or even just before undergoing anesthesia can have consequences that the anesthesiologist needs to manage. So let's discuss some of those implications of using marijuana before surgery. Well, for one, marijuana in any form can affect the amount of anesthesia a person needs. And since marijuana and anesthesia both affect the central nervous system, a person who uses marijuana regularly may need more anesthetic medication to achieve the same level of sedation than someone who does not. This is one of the main reasons anesthesiologists need to know how much marijuana you use so they can keep you comfortable and asleep during the procedure. And according to retrospective studies, regular daily marijuana users can often require more than three times the amount of IV anesthesia for endoscopies compared to non-marijuana users. And this is very important for physicians to be prepared for, especially in sedation cases. Right. And the second thing is, The way you use the marijuana, such as either by ingesting or inhaling, plays an important role in what type of anesthesia is necessary. So the anesthesiologist takes this into consideration as well as the type of surgery and the amount of marijuana consumed to know how carefully to make their anesthetic plan to keep you safe. So the reason for this is that inhaled marijuana can increase the phlegm in the airways, which can cause coughing, wheezing, as well as lung infections. So this can mean that overall your airways are very sensitive during, proce- during procedures, um, including sensitivity to placement of a breathing tube, which can lead to something called bronchospasm. So bronchospasm is basically tightening of the airways, which makes it harder for the lungs to get oxygen in and out. So essentially, it's the same concept of an asthma attack. So as you can see, this can be very dangerous. So it's best for the anesthesiologist to know the risk factors of the patient such as marijuana use, so to give the best appropriate medications to avoid this from happening in the first place, and also to make it better if it does happen. So when you do mention 
that you are using, you know, let's say medical marijuana, it's really important or recreational marijuana, it's really important to mention the way that you consume it, whether it's smoked versus something that you take orally. And lastly, surprisingly, marijuana users can also have increased post-operative pain or pain after surgery. This may seem counterintuitive, but research has shown that cannabis plays a different role in chronic pain versus acute pain. Patients who use cannabis can often have an exaggerated response to pain and require more medication to treat their pain after surgery. This is a very similar concept to opioid users who require more medication after surgery due to the effect of tolerance, which may play a similar role in cannabis users, but there is still ongoing research being done to understand this. But overall, as you can tell from the last three points, it is very important for the anesthesiologist to know if a patient is using cannabis, and especially if it is being inhaled, as this can be a crucial piece of information for planning the anesthetic. Okay, so that was a jam-packed episode with a lot of information. So we hope you enjoyed this episode, and don't forget that if you enjoy our podcast, please don't forget to rate us five stars, and also to follow us on Instagram at the Female Pain Docs for weekly content. Thank you, until next time. We would love to hear your thoughts. Visit our Instagram at the Female Pain Docs for more content. Send us an email at thefemalepaindocs at gmail if you have any topics in particular you would like us to discuss. You can also visit our website at www.thefemalepaindocs.com. See you next time.